0: and welcome to another edition of Kaleidoscope. This is Magda Zenon reporting from downtown Nicosia, and with me via Zoom from Spain, I have Susana Malcora, who is a former foreign minister of Argentina. She was chief of staff when Ban Ki-moon was secretary general. She chairs the board of the crisis group, and she's the president and co-founder of the Global Women Leaders Voices. Welcome, Susana. Welcome, and thanks for having me, Magda. Um, I must admit this, being an active member of Social Society, and especially in the um, context of gender equality, I found this, when I read, when I stepped upon your uh, campaign for a woman secretary-general and a woman to head the rotational, um, have a rotation of Woman presiding over the General Assembly. I found it, I wondered why this hadn't happened before.
1: Well, that's a very interesting <laughs> question, you know. And l- let me tell you, you mentioned that I co founded GWL Voices. And I have to say, I co founded it with uh, Irina Bokova and Helen Clark. The three of us were candidates for Secretary General when Ban Ki moon was leading. And the three of us lost, you know, we were seven women candidates and none of us were considered viable to become secretary general so after that is that we came together and we decided to work together and we founded GWL voices precisely to highlight among other things the lack of presence of women in the multilateral system and you know our last report shows that in the 78 years of a presence of existence of the of the multilateral system Only 13% of the time, a woman has led the institutions that we have analyzed, 54 institutions. And it also shows, of course, that not a single woman has led the UN, but it shows that only four women in 78 years had presided over the General Assembly, which
0: changes every
1: single year.
0: So that's why... I'm sorry, can I just interrupt you there? And the General Assembly already has a rotational method, but it rotates per region, but not per gender. You are correct. The General Assembly back in the 60s
1: decided to uh, adopt a resolution, which in my view was a very, very pertinent one, saying that in order to facilitate equality and access by all uh, members, there should be a rotation. So there is a rotation every year comes from a different region. What we are now saying is that it will be good to add just a single phrase to that resolution saying that it should also have rotation for equality, meaning a man and a woman every other year, you know. So um, this is uh, interesting because uh, uh, when you see the figures, when you see the pictures, we we, uh, introduced this report back in January in our... GWL Voices dialogue, and we had pictures of seventy-eight pictures of the General Assembly presidents, and only four of them highlighted in 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 color were a woman. It's just amazing how is it that this can happen, you know?
0: Can I interrupt you there? I was recently in Addis Ababa for a Global Alliance Peace uh, Peace Builders meeting, and we had our meeting in the African African Union and in the building on the wall, were all the people involved in the African Union that presided over it. Not one woman, not one woman was on that wall. It was horrifying.
1: But that's interesting because there was a woman uh, um, that uh, uh, was Secretary General of the United of the African Union. She is South African and uh, she was there uh, for one term only but there was one woman uh, uh, um, that that surprises me that
0: he didn't show in the picture that she wasn't in the pictures what's her name uh, i it was oh, no, the, only, the, the only reason i'm asking is because i'm south african born that's the only reason i'm okay. asking.
1: she she is the wife of former president and I will, I will, Ga- Garcia, Marcia, um,
0: Garcia, no, no, Gracia, not Garcia,
1: no, 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 no. was not in the African union. Um, and she was there, as I said, uh, for one term. And I think, um, uh,
0: Madame Zuma. Okay. Oh. Madame Zuma. Yeah. And now I remember, but they were in the, in that auditorium. There wasn't one woman. There wasn't one woman poster hanging up. So I'm surprised. Anyway, well, let's... maybe
1: maybe in the auditorium, what it show is the presidency of the assembly of the African Union, which okay. might not have a single like the General Assembly. Okay. that can be the case because in the in the auditorium, what you have there is the assembly. Okay, I'm talking about the secretariat,
0: who again
1: had one woman, Madame
0: Zuma. Okay, so that proves another point that women don't get to chair General Assembly. <laughs> okay, um, let, uh, you also recently signed the letter of the elders about the need for leadership in this world that we live in, and I could agree more. Someone's got to be, what has been done up till now is, has got to be wrong because things are not working. We're looking at uh, the globalization of conflict, something needs to change. Why do you think a Secretary General, a female Secretary General, would help? I know the answer, but you tell the listener.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I hope to to persuade
0: the listeners. Uh, uh,
1: you know, uh, clearly, uh, Magda, the the world has changed, and in many ways, it hasn't changed for the better, particularly in the peace and security arena, but it also has a more complexity in the different uh, crises, the different problems that we are facing. More and more, the world is needs to address problems of global nature. What we call global public goods are at at stake: climate change, migration, illegal flows of money of people, uh, the multiplying effects of crisis terrorism, things that go beyond any particular region, any particular state. So that complexity requires a new view, a new perspective. It is clear that we need to look at the issues with a much broader view, with a cross-cutting view that men tend not to have. (laughs) Men are very good, very good at looking at one problem at a the time. They are more lineal than we women. For whatever reason, we are able to associate things and questions in a very natural manner. And I think that is an attribute that is very helpful to address the questions at hand. On top of that, I think that women are more geared towards solving the problem, not creating the problem. And it's often the case that we have seen uh, when men only are involved, testosterone gets in the way and somehow raises the stakes. So it is our view, it is my personal view, that um, having more women sitting at the table with power to influence, with power to decide, can make a real difference. And let me be clear here, Magda. We are not saying a woman or a man we need both of that exactly we need both perspectives we need nuanced perspectives we need to have different angles into the issues but if women are not at the top if women do not have the power to take decisions that will never happen because men have been there for for centuries you know so that's what we need and 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 bringing multicultural multi facet teams together, is fundamental to address the issues that we just spoke about.
0: Uh, I have to agree with you because I had the honor in 2020, Secretary General Guterres had a roundtable, virtual roundtable, on the 20th anniversary of 1325. Four countries were invited. Cyprus was the one country, and I spoke for one of my the group, I'm, I'm part of the civil society group that our partner was selected, and I spoke, and it happened, the meeting happened on the day that there was a political development within Cyprus, so Guterres was very focused on Cyprus, and his one comment that I will always remember, is that the male egos at the table of the Cyprus peace negotiations pushed him onto the edge of despair.
1: Well, you know, I, I know... Cyprus very well. Um, uh, among other things, when I was in the United Nations, I was in, in the peacekeeping operation. So I I I was very involved with the operations in Cyprus and then I was very involved with the different phases of negotiations. And it's clear that uh, we were at the brink of addressing the Cyprus question quite a few times. And it was that little extra mile that is needed. To accommodate each other, because yes, you know, addressing problems is accommodating each other. You will never win it all. Winning it all means that you have erased the other one, and that's not how you solve problems. Uh, and And that has not happened so far. I still have hope that uh, this might be the case. Now we have a good, very good. I have a very good friend who is is now the the head of. of of the negotiating team. She's a special envoy. She was involved in, in, she's Colombian and was involved in the peace process in Colombia. Her name is Angela Odin, I'm sure you have heard of her. And I really have high hopes that Angela can bring that different perspective and her experience having solved such a difficult question like the peace situation in, in, in Colombia and help walked that extra mile to to find an accommodation.
0: Well she's already made her first visit to the island. I think she's coming back in March. I've requested a meeting with her as part of the group because what I've heard about the new special envoy is first of all she was quite fundamental in bringing together bringing everyone to the table and secondly she is very very interested in this into civil society. She's not she needs to listen to the elite and the policy makers or the decision makers, but she's very, very interested in missing with civil society. And to me, that is a and if she brings together the female part of, we actually li- need to look laterally or horizontally, not just up and down. I am a little bit more hopeful.
1: Well, I mean, you know, one of the things that the peace process in Colombia shows is how women were fundamentally ingrained in the process. It was not an add-on. It was not an afterthought. Yes, They were part of the process. They had to be part of the process. And it worked. And, you know, it's, it, when you look at it, and, and if you haven't read it, I urge you to read that agreement. It has women right, left, and center. So it's, it's very, very important. It's a case study for what should be done. So I'm very, very pleased to see that um, um, María Ángela is already uh, working in that direction.
0: Well, I actually, a few years ago, I interviewed someone about the Colombian priest process. I need to re-listen to the interview. And the other thing that I'm encouraged with um, María Ángela is that she's also was part of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in Colombia. Well, I mean, it, she was part of the... the Process
1: arriving to the, the 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 agreement that included the truth and reconciliation. So yes, I mean she's she she is, she knows what
0: we are talking about. And we are trying. I'm part of an initiative, a womens led initiative, to try and see if we need a truth and reconciliation commission in Cyprus because we've had 50 years of conflict. There's no healing being done trauma, um, not dealing with the healing, and you know this as well as I do, that unless you deal with the past or come to terms with the past or heard about what happened in the past, it's very difficult to work or step into the future. And I think one of the reasons, and you were probably involved in the Anand plan, because I think you were on the coffee, the one of the reasons the woman voted no for the Anand plan in Cyprus is because they weren't included in the conversation.
1: Well, for me, and again, going back to the notion of, of, of women, it's not that only women talk about truth and reconciliation, but it's, women are fundamental in that process. And when you look yes. at processes in, in places like Liberia, for example, where or, or uh, uh, in West Africa at large, where women were very active participating to end the different wars there, In Sierra Leone is another example. Women were central and they were the ones who integrated either formally or informally, because sometimes the the commissions didn't establish themselves fully formally, but they did have truth and reconciliation processes. And it's very interesting because most of the time this happened with women coming from the grassroots that were coming together in the markets. You know, in West West Africa, markets are, as in many parts of the world, markets are very important. And when the war was really going through the worst uh, uh, moments, the only place where they could gather and get some economic activity was the markets. And it was the women, the ones who sustained their families because men were fighting and were away. So it was them who started to mobilize and to think about this has to be put uh, uh, to an end. And 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 they were activists, uh, but very very simple grassroots women who feel, felt the pain of the war in their hearts, in their families, in their children. Their husbands were away. Often their children were taken away. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is something that for me shows a clear, practical indication of the difference that women can make at different levels.
0: I must admit, when I first came together with women from FEMWISE or through the Commonwealth Network from West Africa and parts of East Africa, they are phenomenal. because The the work they do, beyond the work that they do with talking about the conflict and how it pains them, they speak to the community. They know what's happening within the community and they are underutilized for early warning signs because they know what's happening within the community. They know if anything has changed within the community. So, and then they bring it up to the tribes, uh, the tribal leaders. So to me, those women in West Africa are beyond inspiring i listen there's, to them and i'm speechless force of nature. absolute, force of, force, of, nature. <laughs> indeed, absolute indeed. force of nature and we have a lot to learn from them but uh, what also helped in west africa and i think if i can call it out is because there is a tr- strong tribal system the community is quite well knit i don't know if it's a good or a bad or it's specific to that but to me the work they do is firstly it's dangerous okay a lot of the work they do, they put themselves in the front. They don't sit at the back. They don't send others to do their job. They sit in the front and they expose themselves at every level. So, to me, worthy of support and admiration and uh, an example to be repeated. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit more about the campaigns, your pl- what you're planning to do with these campaigns, because I would like to, as I said before, we started this conversation, we were really. Good Commissioner for Gender Equality in Cyprus. She's young, she's active, she knows what gender equality is done. She's already started putting up, trying to change the structures, the way the structures work. So I would like to see also how we can get Cyprus involved.
1: If well, we can. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, clearly in both the selection and election of the next Secretary General, member states are going to be involved in the election of the president of the General Assembly, member states, and Cyprus being one of them, are involved every single year. Mm. So for that matter, this is a responsibility of uh, member states. And what is great about the United Nations is that it's the only fully, fully democratic uh, assembly where all countries, all governments have one vote, no matter how big or how small they are. So they all, have, they all shoulder the same responsibility. What we are doing now is, first, we are trying to uh, uh, have this resolution passed this year, so it should be adopted by the General Assembly sometime before September, and the resolution will be one that establishes the, the, the rotation, as I said, and it will indicate that the first woman to be elected will be in the 80th, a general assembly which starts the year after, because it will be a good a, a celebratory decision. Okay. To have the 80th anniversary of the general assembly, a woman at the helm. To do that, a, a group of friends is being created. This is something very typical of the United Nations when member states start to gather to support a certain position. So mm-hmm. one thing that Cyprus could do is join this group of friends. The initial commitment was made by Spain, Slovenia, Mexico, and Uruguay, but now others are starting to add their names, and in in March, you are fully aware, uh, the the meeting of the Commission of the Status of Women in New York, we are going to be there, and the idea is to expand this group of friends, so Cyprus is more than welcome to join and to be part of the group of friends to prove that uh, the the commitment that Cyprus has to this this question. So that is on the front of the presidency of the General Assembly and the rotation between men and women. Then uh, regarding the secretary general, Madame Secretary General, as we call it, we don't (laughs) say he or she any longer. Uh, That is too politically correct. We think that it should be Madame Secretary General. Uh, The process will start a little bit later. Uh, the decision will be taken in 2026 because uh, the, the Secretary General steps down at the end of 2026 and the new Secretary General, the new Madame Secretary General, mm-hmm. will be up and running on January 1st, 2027. So what we are doing there is uh, starting to discuss with member states that this is absolutely fundamental and the support by by uh, Cyprus is is absolutely key and you know we need to start being vocal about it so the plea to all member states and in this case to cyprus and to the minister who as you indicated is so keen is to speak up about these issues and so if she will be in in new york in march or or people from her team will be there to speak up to mention it in different fora so that this starts to sink Uh, in In the case of 2016, where I ran for Secretary General, there was a lot of voices, there there was a lot said, but it didn't sink. And in the end, you must remember that this process goes to the Security Council, and it is in the Security Council where the decision is taken, and it's in the Security Council where the permanent five, the ones who have veto power, Mm. can decide one way or the other. So all member states need to start raising their voices and claiming that this is absolutely unacceptable and pushing for a future Madame Secretary General.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. I'll be happy to yes with her, you know, and offer her uh, all the information and and, you know be uh, supportive of, of her endeavors should she decide to go ahead.
0: I'll be I think that's a much better decision than me passing on the information because I will it will be like a broken telephone. So I will speak with her and put you in contact. But to me, this is a no-brainer and I don't know why people aren't understanding this. I don't know well, why people
1: You know, it's people ask me why, and I always answer why not. You know, is why is it that we have to answer why? It's just yeah. as you said, it's a no brainer to me, it's very simple, uh, uh, Magda. It's a question of power. You know, when when we talk about women seizing these positions, what we are talking is about women seizing power. And there is this notion, which is absolutely wrong in my view, that power is a zero sum game. So if women gain power, Men lose it. And from that perspective, it's hard to let go. It's very hard to let go. If you think about this, not as a zero-sum game, but as an opportunity to expand the pie, then you start to look into it with a different view. Interesting, when you look at the numbers on, for example, GDP, numbers show that if women were Fully, fully empower economically and socially. Empower the GDP will grow much larger. The GDP of the world, the GDP exactly. of countries will grow much larger. GDP is power. That shows that adding women to participate fully participate is not a zero sum game. The same shows in the case of a uh, private companies of business when women are. At the helm when women are fully participants of the boards the results the financial and economic results of those companies are much better mm. and this has been proven and and there is there are studies done so again adding women is not a zero-sum game it adds a, a energy it adds a, a economic activity it adds results mm. so that's that's the the In my view, the change that has to happen, you know, the switch has to move in order to understand that you are not letting go. You are adding. And on top, uh, we do not believe that this is a case of women against men or men against women. This is us coming together. But we are half, even more than half the population of the world. We deserve to have our share in participating in in, in in all these institutions.
0: But I, I think it's something that most people don't understand. I'm not only saying men, they think that power is one piece. It can't be broken down and it's not multi-dimensional. I think this is we there's a push now with a very um energetic woman for increasing um introducing the notion of gender budgeting and how Increasing gender, in, uh, introducing gender into the budget, is so important, and it adds to what you say. When you put women or the gender perspective into the budget, the budget doesn't fall apart, and you don't get less. It becomes richer. It becomes more productive. It becomes more effective.
1: Well, you mentioned something that is is central to moving forward this agenda, Magda, and that is data. Mm. Having data is fundamental to prove the case. And, you know, having a gender sensitive budget is is a way we need to measure. We need to prove, because the ones who have done it prove that we are right, that having women involved has a positive energizing movement in the economy, in, in the use of resources, in results, in impact. But since there are some that are skeptical, it has to be measured. And we need to have the indicators, we need to build the indicators in project management, in budgeting, in in the impact of the decisions that governments take, because that is what will show that
0: we are right. I think the biggest piece of data actually was provided by COVID. Because during the COVID pandemic, if the woman weren't involved, everything would have fallen apart because they were involved in care, care at home. Who was providing the care at home to their children, to their elderly parents? Who was homeschooling? And I'm not saying the fathers or the males weren't, but a lot of the weight of the care during the pandemic fell on women. Who was frontline at the hospitals? Who was frontline at feeding people? And I don't know if this—if I'm going, of course—but to me, that was such a strong indicator that unless we bring women in and we actually acknowledge that they don't attract and their services are not free, but fundamental to keeping our societies productive and going forward, we're going to be stuck at the same place, and it's not getting the picture is really looking scary at the stage of the fact that there's mismanagement at some level.
1: But you're right, and 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 it's interesting because. COVID, with all its negative impact, brought something to the fore, and that is the value of care. Mm. And and, care is absolutely denied. I mean, there is no recognition of the care economy in its full value. Mm. That's one, there are studies now that show that the impact that the care economy could have in the world it adds 10% to, to the GDP of the world. Exactly. Latin America had a, a meeting two years ago of the, on the care economy precisely to put this to into, into a full recognition. So if you recognize the care economy, which essentially falls on the shoulders of women, you empower women economically that now are denied that 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 access to the economy. You expand the 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 GDP of the country, and you make the the system work in 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 an explicit well, way, not an implicit way as it is as it is today. It, it it was it is clear that 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 was the extreme case of COVID, but the extreme case of COVID again could really the made the picture be be seen but exactly something that is happening. You mentioned uh, health the health sector essentially the health sector is supported by, by women particularly uh, uh, the, the the nursing aspect of the of the health sector is supported by women. If you look and this is very interesting because we always try and look from the perspective of leadership too There are very few ministers of health, female ministers of health. Most of them are men. There are very few directors of hospital, female, in the world. Most of them are men, and that shows that first the pyramid is very, very gets narrower and narrower, vis-a-vis gender. But on top of that, many decisions, policy decisions that are are affecting women, that are essential to women, are taken by men. Exactly. And and these policy decisions affect the health of women. And that's why often the you know, preventive care that is absolutely fundamental for women and for the betterment of, of, of societies is ignored because it's in the hands of men deciding. So all of this shows, once again, from a different angle, that uh, having women participating on equal footing is is essential to not only to grow, not only to is just for women, but it is it also provides the opportunity for better policy decisions that will be much more useful to different societies.
0: But I think it also gives the possibility of all of us within the community to invest more in what we're doing because we have been part of the decision-making or we see someone in the decision-making process that looks like us or has a voice that sounds like us.
1: Yeah, it's a role model too, you know. Exactly. It means means a lot, particularly for younger generations, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, Younger generations, both boys and girls, need these role models that show that uh, we are we can do things in a participatory way that that makes a difference so it is a win-win from all perspectives
0: and that's the message we've got to get through that it's not win lose it's win win and we all win when we've got a when we've got an inclusive decision making process or an inclusive you've got happier people you have yeah. happier, you've got a more productive content community
1: Yeah, the impact is is fuller. Yes. You you have a more rounded impact, which to me is fundamental. But again, this goes back to the notion of losing power that the ones who are in power eh, don't let go. You know, so that's that's the crack that we need to 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 make, you know.
0: And how are we gonna do that?
1: Well, first of all, eh, eh, a trying to push for breakthroughs like the ones we are doing with both Madame Secretary General and the rotation for equality in the presidency of the General Assembly. That has to happen at all levels. It has mm-hmm. to happen at the local level. We need to have more women as mayors. We need to have more women participating in the local council. We need to have more women participating in cabinets at the at the national level. We need to have more women in in, in Congress, in parliaments. You know we we did a study GW Voices did a study very interesting study it, we claim that we are we do advocacy based on evidence precisely for the reasons we just spoke we need to mm. have data to be able to prove that what we say is correct we did a, we commissioned a study to university to try and find a correlation between good policies on gender violence and the participation of women in governments, whether there was a correlation, we we asked the question, and there were there, there was a professor and a student that worked together, both of them economists, uh, to try and find that correlation. And interesting, the result of the study, and you can find it in in our website, shows that it's not so much the correlation between the head of government, whether it's a man or a woman, but between the the parliaments the participation in parliaments of women because women are central to designing new laws okay and so the the more women are part of 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 parliaments the more effective laws that consider gender in particular are passed and this was the case for gender violence so yes it is critical for for women to be part of, of 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 political processes, if they don't feel like in, engaging in politics, to be in the private sector also, or in civil society, raising the voice so that this happens.
0: And you brought up an interesting example because if we can find a way to combat gender-based violence, we're never going to eradicate it completely. If we can find a way to combat it better, gender-based violence costs the state, the EU, the UN, a fortune. So if we can find a way to get better decisions or legislation that are implemented, we will also be saving money. In addition to saving people, which is the most important part, we'll also be saving money. So again, a win-win situation.
1: Definitely. And and, and women be more productive because women who are subject to gender-based violence are less productive. They were, you know... We know all the effects, both yes. psychological, physical, and also the ability to participate in 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 the economy. You know, so that is absolutely absolutely the case. And 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 you can only do that if you have a gender sensitive approach. Hmm. And a gender sensitive sensitive approach means having women sitting at the table. That's that's critical. That's critical. Yeah. Absolutely
0: critical. Okay. And tell me how because as a member of civil society to me the most important thing in the process and what you're trying to do is how do we motivate women to raise their voices because this critical we've I I know that we the usual suspects are important and I don't undervalue our value but how do we spread the word because they need to more voices need to be heard. Or or women need to realize their power more. Uh, How do we do this? It's always been the challenge with me as a member of SOSAT. It's always been the challenge of how do you broaden the circle?
1: Well, you are totally right. One of the things we do, uh, uh, which to me is very valuable, is an initiative that is called Her Turn, where we reach out to the younger generations. And we do this because first, we are conscious that in order to propose ideas to the future, we are not enough. We sort of represent the past. So we need to hear the voices of the ones who will be in our position in the future to see what is important to them, what is valuable to them, to include it in our pleas for, for changes. That's one reason. But the other reason is that we often find that in younger generations, it, it, it is, They give for granted that certain things that have been won, certain rights that have been earned, are there forever. And we know that this is not something that is irreversible. On the contrary, there are strong forces to reverse many of the advances that have been achieved. And we see that not only in the global south, we see it in, in Europe. We see countries in Europe reversing decisions that are. Incredible. We see in the US the the Supreme Court reversing the decision on on the right to to decide whether you continue with your your child or not. I mean, this is a very very personal decision. Yes. So this is not irreversible. So we need to stay alert and to raise our voices to protect what we have and to push for the things that are still are unresolved. So those things we. We try to communicate to the younger generations, which often feel surprised by us saying, "Be careful! This is not a given. You have to fight every single day." You know, I think that it's important to uh, uh, to bring to 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 the discussion people in different conditions. Let me give you examples. We spoke earlier about a. Uh, uh, Western Africa and women in the market. Women, it, I was reading this morning, I, I live in, in Spain, in Madrid, and I was reading this morning, something about a women, a fisher women in Galicia that are trying to defend their rights. Well, I think that collective, that collective of women who fish is, is fundamental to raise their voices. But that also goes to the women who work the land, you know, in agriculture. Yes. You know, agriculture is is the the single most important uh, um, uh, activity, economic activity in the world in the hands of women. Because women, particularly in the global south, women are the ones who exploit the land most of the time. It is true that they don't own the land. That's the first right they should Ex- have. Exactly. They should have the right to own the land. So bringing together those collectives, in my view, is fundamental. We are working with rural women, and they are very important, but we need to spread that farther and and beyond what it is today. But my sense is that going to the routes, going to the markets, going to the ports, going to the, the, the places where women work hard but are not here, Recognize feel empowered to raise their voices is fundamental.
0: But I think going to the roots of the land and the sea is fundamental as well, because we're talking about climate change, and they are the most vulnerable, they're the most exposed to climate change. So they're also in a position to find a way to try and combat climate change or else minimize it. But I also have to tell you something. I used to work in a law firm. Okay, and I used—I always love talking to the new interns that come in. I like talking to younger people; it keeps my energy up. And they were talking about equal salaries and whatever. And I said to them, "You know what? Don't rest. I am coming out." And they said that they weren't concerned, but I am coming out into pension on a tragic salary and a tragic pension. And the reason my pension is tragic is because I either needed to make the choice of stepping out of the workplace because of the child or work lesser hours because we live in a country that doesn't offer childcare. Don't ever forget the fact that it's not a battle that's won. You need to keep alert that it's not as simple as I get equal salary or my salary is okay. Your salary, the salary you get today determines the pension you're going to get tomorrow. So be very, and you have, and as you say, I always tell them, you know, the battle is not won. We've got Donald, the Donald Trumps and the Emmanuel Trumps of the world that are a nightmare. But keep alert because the battle is not won and and it's not a battle. It's a step-by-step, person-by-person, day-by-day awareness that you cannot take for granted what you see before you.
1: Definitely, and you know, we 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 had a, a very interesting conversation in in our dialogue back in January around Beijing Plus Thirty. You know, next year is going to be the fifty the thirtieth anniversary of of Beijing, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting if you see at the evolution. Beijing was a transformative moment. You know, yes, and it was. What came out of the Beijing was a unique moment. It was adopted by acclamation. Every single state adopted that platform, and the first years were very positive years, years of, you know, an expansion of of propositive uh, uh, actions, you know, it was very, very good. Then some 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than 10 years ago, there was this reflux, this movement that started to be uh, generated against the rights of women. And, you know, the most extreme uh, argument that I hear and it makes me really, really mad is this notion that the right of women goes around against the right of families. You know, I have a family, I, I have raised a child, I have a, a full, you know, personal family life and a full professional life. There is no reason why one thing should be against the other. But There are conservative movements that are raising this contradiction between the right of women and the right of family, which is very, very, very harming and very, very negative to the right of women. So what I'm saying here is this is a concerted effort. This is not happening by chance. There are groups that have a lot of money and invest a lot of money against the the advancement of the of the right of women. And we just need to be conscious of that. And we need to come together because sometimes it is. this is also true. We sound a little bit like a cacophony. We are not, well, our narrative doesn't necessarily come together as easy and as clean mm. as the ones who are fighting against. Mm. So we need to be conscious, be mindful and work on it.
0: Now, I agree with you. I, just, I did a presentation in at a suburb. I went, I said, you know what? We need to be aware. We all know what we are up against, but we need to be aware of the words and the language you're using, because one word can turn the whole tide or can be used against you. So you need to be. We need to be using words that don't trigger, words that don't offend. We need to use be um to the point, but not be. Um, and aggressive is a bad one but not point fingers or throw daggers so to me i absolutely agree with you we do sound sometimes sound like a cacophony and sometimes you treat it as well it's her again and she's talking about women's rights so let's let's not take her seriously so i agree with you we need to step up our act of how we are presenting what we are presenting because it's not only us that are at stake it's the, the generations that come after us
1: and we, we need to have, regarding the future generations, we need to have not only women who are conscious of, of their rights and the, that this is not a given, but we also need to have young men who are feminist.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: I have a son, and so I tried to make sure that I had a feminist in my a, a, a family a, beyond my husband who is also a feminist. So I think we have achieved that. But is it is very important to introduce that feminist conscious in in the in the young men
0: absolutely who,
1: who will also be part of this this exercise of power in the future
0: but the the other reason you need to include men is to also show the true picture that it's not them and us it's all of us it's not men against women it's all of us because we are coming towards the end of this conversation, Susanne, is there anything else you would like to talk about before we close?
1: Well, you, you said something about uh, thirteen twenty-five, and 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 maybe I would like to close with with that reference. A uh, resolution thirteen twenty-five for your audience, uh, for the ones who have may not be aware, is a very important resolution adopted uh, in some years back, um, where. the the Security Council decided that women's participation in in conflict in the conflict resolution was essential. And for all the reasons we already discussed, this is absolutely key. Unfortunately, when you look at how much has really happened, the impact has been not as strong as it should have. And a good example of that is is Afghanistan. You know, when when the, the negotiations took place in 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 Doha with the Taliban, women were not at the table. And that shows now what what it meant not to have women at the table. But the same goes for many other conflicts. So the one thing I will say, you know, going back to our first part of the conversation about how conflicts have grown, how they have become more complicated, to make sure that we put a, a, a we keep an eye on this implementation of Women in, in in conflict in resolution in conflict resolution that we look into women participating in the negotiations, women mediating, women bringing that perspective that we describe all along in our conversation, because that's the only way that we will be will stand a chance to diffuse the tensions that the world is facing, and there are too many
0: far too many. I'm part of um, three regional women mediators networks. So one is the Mediterranean woman, the other one is the woman um, across the Commonwealth, and the one is the Women's Alliance of Security Leadership. And that's, we. I mean, everyone recognizes that 3025 is very far from an an acceptable stage. And we're all trying to push this thing of listening to the woman, putting the woman in decision-making process, including perceptions of women, because I think we're all aware the the public discourse space for women's voices is a big threat from the far right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so um, I need to thank you for a very, very interesting conversation. I will pass on your details, or I will pass on... your details to our Commissioner for Gender Equality to see if we can get Cyprus on board. And I will also pass on the details to the regional networks that I work with. Maybe there can be a a, a partnership there as well. We are all for partnership.
1: We believe in partnership. Coming together is the solution for many of the problems that we discuss. I thank you, Magda, for this opportunity to speak with you and to reach out to your
0: audience. Okay, and Susanna, going forward, it's Madam Secretary-General is the name of the game. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Susanna. Have a nice rest of the day. And to the listeners, thank you for listening. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus. Island Talks. Open. Diverse. Free.